The Bible is consistent in that it challenges us. Before you are a Christian, you are challenged with the gospel of Christ. When that challenge occurs, you have to decide what you're going to do. You have to decide within yourself, am I going to live to the challenge of the gospel, accept that challenge, die to myself, become a Christian, and then live accordingly? You see, even accepting the gospel is a challenge for us. And so when we accept the gospel, then we have to accept the morality of the gospel, the ethics of the gospel, how to treat others in all these different aspects of Christianity. What are we going to do? And the Bible clearly lays out what a Christian is supposed to do to grow in faith, to make right decisions, to worship correctly. It's all right there in the in the Bible. So when we are faced with that, we're faced with that challenge because we decide Am I going to live up to the challenge? In other words, am I going to live as the example of Jesus Christ? Well, as God would have it, he would give us the opportunity to grow slowly. We are all babes in Christ. We all got to start somewhere and we all finish somewhere. So today we're going to look at the Apostle Peter's challenge to us. What are we going to do with this challenge? Do we understand the challenge? We can see it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Here's the challenge with an understanding. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. So he's given us a time marker in that all things are at hand. The end of all things are at hand. He says, therefore, be serious. Here's the challenge to the Christian. Because the end things are at hand, therefore, be serious. Be watchful in your prayers and above all things, have fervent love. So he's saying, understand that you never know when your life can end. The end is at hand. Jesus could come at any moment. Our life could end at any moment. Therefore, be serious about your Christianity. Be serious about how you're living. Be watchful in your prayers, which would show us that we have to be praying. And above all things, have fervent love, a love like Christ Jesus, a love that abounds all obstacles and have this love for one another. That is the church. Why? For love will cover a multitude of sins. Can you imagine a congregation that instead of pointing out people's sins and calling them out and being stuck on that, that we just say, you know what? I'm going to love you as Jesus. Jesus is going to tell you what to do and you choose what to do with it. It's your free will. We've got to have a love that covers a multitude of sins. We've got to be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Look at the challenge that, that Peter is putting forth to us. As Christians, understand that your days are limited. That you need to be serious. That you need to be watchful in your prayers. You need to love everyone because love covers a multitude of sins in Christ Jesus and you need to be kind to one another, being hospitable to the Christians around you without grumbling. Now, this is hard to master. That's why it's a challenge. And look what he says. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. We've got to understand that we all have talents and we all have things that we need to be using to um, bring up the life and the spirituality of our brethren. 
So we've got to be able to minister to one another as God as God has made us good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now look what it says. If you're going to choose to, to grow and take that challenge, to be able to get to where we are loving people so much that we are ministering as God would minister, as Christ would minister, we're being hospitable, we have accepted the challenge. Look what it says. If you are up to that challenge, if anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracles of God. Let's just think about that for a moment. What an oracle was in the first century was someone who spoke for the gods. So he's speaking in terms that even pagans can understand. You're going to receive a message. That message, as of an oracle of God, God has given you the message. You give the message. So what he's saying is if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God Give God's message and His only. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Some are going to be good in in aspects. Some are going to be not as good as others in certain aspects. But that doesn't mean we stop trying to grow and take this challenge. Why do we take this challenge? Look what it says. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, Peter is initiating the challenge because he knows what's going to come from the end of that challenge. When we grow to a level of spirituality where all these things are evident in our life, then God gets the glory. And that is coming through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who created the world by the voice of his power. That's who's going to get the glory. So let's look at it. Let's break it down a little bit. But the end of all things that is is at hand, Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. This is true. People throughout the ages, even people in the 19th century over here in the 1900s have put out, this is the day that Christ is going to come back. And they give you all their formulas. And then guess what they put out? A revision. Because he didn't come back. Look at what's going to happen here. No one knows how much time we have here. We could have today. We could have 10 years. Who knows how much time we really have? That's what Peter's trying to put into the minds of the Christians. The end of all things is at hand. It is before us. And so he says, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I'm under the belief that if someone was able to pick it, and if someone said, I've calculated the mind of God and it's going to end tomorrow, you know what I think would happen? God would say, nope, it was going to end tomorrow. But now because you got it, nope, we're going to figure out when. Look at Hebrews 9 and verse 27. And it is appointed. It is it's an appointment for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. This is why we have to live up to the standard and live with the understanding that this could be our last day. Because no one knows when it's our time. No one knows when it's your time. But everybody knows this for sure. 
that we are all appointed a day in which there is the judgment. Look at James verse 4 through 14. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. This is the important one. That you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's borrowed time. We have to make the right decisions with our life to live up to that challenge to give God the glory. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. It comes and it goes. I know that some of you, when you think about yourself, you think to yourself, well, I, I feel great, I feel healthy, I feel good. And then they say, hey, let's take a picture. And you look at the picture and you say, who's that? This does not reflect how I'm feeling. This person looks old. What happened to all my time? It goes just like that. And so we've got to be very conscious and conscientious of the time we have and use it for good. Look what he says here in part B of verse 7. Because we're on borrowed time, we need to be serious and watchful in your prayers. The King James Version would say, be sober and watch unto prayer. In other words, be clear-headed with your decisions. Be clear-headed when you're praying. Be clear-headed in your Christianity. Paul would also say it like this, be circumvented or circumspent where you have seen what is around you, always looking. 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he's saying here, Peter is saying in 1 Peter chapter 1, he's saying Jesus Christ is going to come. There's going to be a revelation and we're all going to see this Jesus Christ brought back again the second time. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be prepared for war. That was the terminology. That you would prepare for war and you would be sober, that is, be serious and hope to the end for the grace that is brought. You need to be clear conscience, thinking correctly, being serious, ready for spiritual warfare, preparing yourself. Now watch this. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. What happens when everybody knows in a congregation that if you're sinning and it's made known, that you're going to receive forgiveness? Because that's what Christ would give you. And we are by no means any better than Christ. That we need to be giving forgiveness just as Christ gave forgiveness how loving would the congregation be? How fulfilled would Christians be knowing that that love is harbored with congregation? So therefore, have a fervent love for one another. Look at Proverbs 10 and verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. John 13 and verse 35. By this all will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. It's the beauty of Christianity that we get forgiveness of sins. That 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 and following would tell us 
that the blood of Christ continually cleanses us of our sins if we repent and we confess our sins to one another. That God is giving us that, that avenue of forgiveness. But what happens is people forget that we are under God's care and under God's authority. And sometimes it's hard for us to forgive because we're humans. But we need to remember that God forgave us first while we were sinners. Therefore, we harbor the attitude of love, fervent love, in the congregations of, of the churches of Christ that we forgive and forget and move forward and continue on watching for the Lord to come back. Look at verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. We need to live a life of service. We need to be able to help each other when we need help. So I hope you're seeing that, that Peter's challenge is one of growth. That you grow in your Christianity. 2 Corinthians 8, 13-14 For I do, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. Talking about sacrificing and giving. I don't want you to be burdened so you can ease someone else. But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack. They're hurting now. You help them while they're hurting. Later when you're hurting, they're going to help you. This is how a Christian is supposed to support one another. To support congregations. That their abundance, that their abundance also may supply your lack. That there may be equality. Share and share alike. Once a Christian has reached that sense of um, maturity, they understand that all things that they have are Christ's. All things are God's. And if they take that challenge, they will take that challenge to go ahead and share. Hebrews 13 and verse 2. Even though sometimes it's hard to share, right? We've got to be able to do it. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. This is a call for all Christians to do good to all people. To live up to that standard to where you're making those decisions that you would treat everybody the same way you would treat everyone else. With kindness, with love, and forgiveness. And sometimes it's as easy as seeing someone with groceries and you're passing by them and you can say, do you need some help? It's that simple. Look at verse 10. As each one has received a gift. That means that every single person in here has the ability to live up to this challenge. But not everybody accepts that challenge. Look what it says though. Everyone has received a gift. Minister it to one another. Use your talents with one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Why? Because God wants us to know we're on borrowed time. We need to treat our life like we're on borrowed time. That we don't know when we have the last day, but we all know that there will be a last day. Therefore, be good stewards. Be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The grace of God that is to be given to all people. Minister it to one another. Look at James chapter 1 and verse 27 that we never look at it this way, but watch this. Pure and undefiled religion. And everybody says, yeah, we know what that is. 
before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows. And people stop right there. That's pure and undefiled religion. Visit orphans and widows. You better go do it. Keep reading. Look what it says. You visit them in their trouble and keep yourself out of trouble. Watch. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You can visit all the orphans you want and all the widows you want. You cannot escape the third one for pure and undefiled religion. To live the best life you can for Christianity. To keep yourself unspotted from the world. And that is very hard to do. But Galatians 6 and verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So when we're thinking about living up to this challenge and being good to, to our brethren, we got to be good first to those in the church. we got to take care of ourselves, keeping ourselves pure and keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. Using our gifts to minister to the orphans, to the widows, to members of the church. Having a full, fervent love to forgive the sins of everyone in the congregation because not one of us is better than the other. But we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And taking Christ Jesus' sacrifice as the ultimate forgiveness of sin and love and living up to it, knowing that He could come back any day. And when He comes back, He should be seeing us living that type of example, that type of life, loving the sheep, taking care of the flock, forgiving all, ministering to all, guarding our minds, taking care of our brethren, being hospitable to all people, especially those in the household of faith. In other words, He should see us taking Peter's challenge, growing from a babe to an adult Christian of superior Christianity and that um, attitude that we need to have growth. And to do what? To walk like Jesus. That's what He wants to see. And this is what I was talking about when we started the, the, the sermon today. Everybody is challenged by Christianity. Just to accept the gospel, you have to be challenged to change. When you become a Christian, you have to be challenged to grow, which means change. Once you're growing as a Christian, you have to renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and following. Renew your mind by the gospel, by the reading of the gospel. So you're changing. You've got to evolve from a babe in Christ to a mature Christian. And it takes time, but it takes a will and a want and a desire to take the challenge that was set before you and become the Christian that you need to be. Just like you look in the picture and you say, that doesn't look like me. I feel like I'm 25. But when I see the picture, all I see is silver hair. What's going on here? We need to be able to look at ourselves and say, I'm seeing myself as a Christian that is 60 years old. I can remember when I look at this picture, I remember where I was with my faith and my spirituality. I know where I am now. I'm the leader that God wants me to be. And now I can help others get there. 
And so verse 11, if anyone speaks, the word if there is conditional. It means if you take the challenge, if you want to be the best Christian you can be, if you want to grow in your Christianity, if you're not satisfied with the Christianity you're currently living, your connection with Christ, your emotional connection, your spiritual connection, your prayer connection, your worship connection, if something isn't connecting and you're fine with that, then that's fine for you. But look what the Bible is saying. If anyone speaks, if you're going to take the challenge and grow in your Christianity where you're ready to speak, where you're ready to minister, where you're ready to evangelize, you're ready to teach Bible classes, You're ready to to show up and worship on Sunday night when the elders call. On Sunday when the elders call in the day. If you're ready to worship and study the Bible the way you're supposed to with that, that idea of growth to get to this point. If, then you speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let them minister with the ability which God supplies. Our God is able and is willing to equip every single one of us to make a difference. But we have to take the challenge because not everyone will do it. Look at what Isaiah 6 and verse 8 says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. You know, I think all too often Christians want to accept that challenge that Peter's giving to live a prepared life, prepared that any day Christ could come and in any day he needs to see that you are growing, that you are working, that you are praying, that you are teaching, that you are ministering. These are all aspects that he's showing us and we all want to get there. But I think that some of us feel like, well, if I do it and I do wrong, I'm going to be judged more harshly. Think about this. Paul said, Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. What about the other aspect? If I don't do it, how will I be judged? Woe to me. If I do it, how will I be judged? You will be judged more harshly. Why? Because you're held to the standard of holding the oracles of God to its purity. But then think about Nehemiah. Nehemiah has such a great statement as a prophet. He says, Oh my God, remember me for the good. Wouldn't it be better to grow as a Christian, to have this exhortation towards Christianity, this spiritual growth, doing all you can, living for the Lord, not worrying about the little things, but saying, oh, my God, I've done the best I can. Remember me for the good. I think everybody can understand that. And it's something that we all need to do. But here's the conclusion. This is why we want to have this type of lifestyle. Because by the glory of God, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by that glory of God, God raised up Jesus Christ, Romans chapter 5. And the glory of God has allowed us, Romans chapter 6, to be equal with Christ in that resurrection. And as we're going to be equal with Christ in that resurrection, what does He want us to do? Grow. Why? That in all things now, watch this, 
that in all things, that you becoming a Christian is going to bring glory to God, yes. But that's not where He wants it to stop. He wants it in all areas, in all things, we bring glory to God. All things work out for good that for those who love God. So how do they work out for good? Because the Christian is working God's goodness in and without their life and their Christianity. So that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see why you want to do it? Because God's already receiving glory in the church when you come together. Yes, He wants that. Ephesians chapter 5. God is receiving glory whenever you die to yourself and become a Christian. Yes, He wants that. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 27. God receives glory in all aspects of our Christian life. But guess what He wants? He wants to be glorified individually in your Christian growth. It's a plan that He's always wanted for you. It's a plan that Peter has challenged us to, to live up to. And it's something that I think each one can do. Because God supplies the ability. Not because we think we can, but because God will supply the ability. You just have to start with day one. And see what the Lord will do. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Why do we want to live this way and take that challenge? Because the God and Father who loved us enough to let us be a part of that glory will continue to receive glory through us. And that alone is worth it. If anybody has any need of anything this morning, whether it's to put on Christ in baptism and and let God receive glory for your conversion, or it's needing prayers from the congregation for any reason, won't you please come as we stand and as we sing?